everybody, and welcome to the First and Foremost Podcast with your host, Jimmy Covington. And I'm Quentin Douglas. Man, we're back at it again with episode five. So, uh, Quentin, man, how you doing, man? Pretty good, Jimmy. Uh, you know, just still manager being at home during quarantine, trying not to be a couch potato. How about you, bro? I feel you, man. I just been doing a little on- online work and trying to get out, get a little exercise, walking and running a mile, at least a mile per day. So, you know, I've been trying to, you know, stay active because this has been getting extremely boring. Nah, for real. I definitely need to get me a walking routine going. So, oh, if yeah. I can get that started up in the next few days. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, man, let's get started. Uh, you know, the NFL draft is coming up soon, and it looks like they're going to be doing a virtual draft. Uh, there's been I know, a lot of debate about the top picks, you know. So, you know, we decided to do our our top ten picks. So, Quinn, you got the first pick, so you can start. You can go ahead and start. Yeah. So, uh, starting with the Cincinnati Bengals with the number one pick, um, I think there was some speculation at first about whether or not they wanted to draft Joe Burrow. I know it was a question mark whether or not he actually wanted to play with them. I mean, who can blame him at this point? Uh, but I think those questions have kind of been put to rest, and I think that now we can officially say that he's probably um, pretty much locked in to be the number one pick. Uh, with that being said, I don't know whether or not they're going to trade Andy Dalton. I think best-case scenarios for them to uh, sit Joe Burrow for a year and let him develop, and then bring him on next year when they have some better weapons around him, and he'll be more suited uh, to be ready for the NFL level. I don't have a problem. You know, I, I agree with the number one pick. I don't really have a problem with them drafting Burrow. I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, he's from Ohio, so, you know, it just it just makes perfect sense. Uh, I would start him year one. Uh, Andy Dalton has done all he can for the organization. His time is up. It's time to move on. I would throw him in the fire. You know, that's how you learn. You can either sink or swim. And Joe Burrow looks like the type of guy that can swim. But uh, moving on to the number two pick, the Washington Redskins. Go, Young. The Washington Redskins have their pick. And I have them taking uh, Chase Young with the number two pick. Listen, man, Chase Young, in my opinion, is the best player in this draft. Uh, he has all the measurables. He's 6'6", 265 pounds with elite physical tools, and he has a great motor. Uh, in 12 games last year, he had 16 and a half sacks and 21 tackles for a loss. Man, I think he has it all. I think he has the potential to be a perennial all-pro. I think he's going to be a generational pass rusher. Uh, I don't – he has the highest floor and the highest ceiling in his draft right here. I don't think he's really close. I think he's – A, he's a cut above everybody else is him, and then at tier one, and then you have everybody else under him. I think he's that great. I'm excited to see him. But as a Cowboys fan, you know, I'm – I oh, it's gonna bother me. I hope he don't he don't eat us alive this year. <laughs> but that guy, problem. Yeah, that guy. He's amazing, bro, and he puts it all together. And uh, you know, you, you haven't heard anything off the field besides the girlfriend issue, which is which is pretty bogus in my opinion. But that man is a can't, can't miss prospect. And I think it's adding to an already talented front seven. You know, they have uh, Jonathan Allen. Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan, you know, adding him to the mix and make them even more dangerous. They have uh, Ruben Foster coming back, a linebacker. Hopefully he can return to form. But their front seven is going to be formidable, especially if they add Chase Young to the mix. So uh, moving on to number three pick, uh, you can go ahead, Quinn. Yeah, uh, so Detroit Lions, as it stands now, they possess the number three pick. I do think they will trade that pick, but just for the sake of this mock draft, uh, I'm going to make the pick, and I have them taking another Buckeye and Jeff Okuda, who I think is the second-best player in this draft uh, behind no, Chase Young. Clearly, there's a gap, but in my opinion, he's the second-best. I mean, you know, looking at the line situation, we saw what went down with Darius Slay uh, and trading him to the Eagles. So they clearly need a replacement for him to play opposite of uh, Desmond Trufant. And when I look at Okuda's game and, you know, looking at his, his frame and his size, he kind of reminds me of Josh Norman, the one year uh, during that Super Bowl run when he was a pro bowler. Uh, and just kind of having that aggressive playing style and, you know, that cocky and confident mentality. And I can see him being a perennial pro bowler as well. So, I'm really excited 
uh, first as a Buckeye fan to see what he does in the NFL. So, I have no problem with their pick. I think cornerback is a position of need for the Lions. So, and I think Okuda is the best cornerback in this draft by a, a nice size margin. I think C.J. Henderson is the number two corner in this class, but Okuda is clearly better than Henderson. I think that's the perfect pick for the Lions, and it's a position of need as well. But moving on to the number four pick, uh, they, the New York Giants have their pick. I don't have them trading out of their pick. I have them selecting uh, linebacker Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson. Man, Isaiah Simmons is probably my favorite player in this draft. Uh, he's six foot four, two hundred thirty eight pounds, and he ran a four three nine at the combine. Dude is a freak athlete. Uh, last year he had over a hundred tackles. He had sixteen and a half tackles for a loss, eight sacks, three interceptions, and eight passes defended. Like you don't you don't get that kind of production all the time. That's it's rare. Uh, I got a snap count. He had he played two hundred eighty six snaps at slot cornerback, two eighteen at safety, one hundred and sixty at outside linebacker, one twenty at inside linebacker, seventy one as a pass rusher, which he had eight sacks and seventy one pass rush snaps, and he had seventeen snaps as an outside cornerback. I think. Uh, he's like the I would call him the next Bronner. Like I would have him playing linebacker at the next level, so he can wreak havoc. Uh, of course, obviously he can play safety, but I will I will have him as a linebacker if I'm the Giants, and I want to use him like you know how the Chargers use Derwin James, you know, close to the line of scrimmage, and you know he has the ability to play deep in the middle of the field if you need him to. So I think it's one of those guys that you just move around and let him make plays. Don't try to confine him. Let him do what he does best, and that's just make plays. Uh, I think. The the sacks and the tackle for loss that was amazing for me considering he's not even a natural pass rusher. That's I, I think that was one of truly one of the most impressive parts of his game. You know, and the passes defended and interceptions that's that's great numbers for any linebacker. So I think that guy is he's a a freak athlete, man. One of the most exciting prospects I've seen since I've been watching football, and uh, he was a joy to watch at Clemson. Even though I, I didn't really like Clemson uh, <laughs> particularly. Because you Trust know, I'm, me, a, I don't either. I'm an SEC guy, so you know, if my, my Florida Gators not in it, then I want a team from the SEC to win. You know, they beat Bama down last year, and I really didn't like that at all. And uh, you know, they lost to LSU, which was I was happy about that. I want to see an SEC team win, but you know, Isaiah Simmons is you know, I think he's gonna be a great player in this league for a long time uh, if the Giants know how to use him the correct way. Uh, but Quinn, number five pick belongs to you, man. You can go ahead. Yeah, so at number five, I got the Miami Dolphins taking Tua Tagovailoa, quarterback from Alabama. Uh, this dude went healthy. I mean, he's a baller. I mean, to me, he's like a left-handed Drew Brees. I mean, he's accurate. Uh, of course, he's a little bit more mobile than Drew Brees. Uh, and, you know, just looking at his body of work at Alabama, his Heisman season, he had uh, 43 passing touchdowns and only six interceptions. Uh, and just looking at the way he elevated that team uh, and stepped in as a leader in that uh, game against Georgia when he led that comeback, and just from that moment forward, you could just see he has that special that special trait to be a generational talent. Now, unfortunately, last year he did suffer that hip injury, the freak hip injury against Mississippi State, uh, but barring any setbacks, uh, which I'm hoping he can recover from that, which – Lately, I've been hearing that he's ahead of schedule on rehab. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a franchise uh, changer uh, for the Dolphins, so I'm excited to see what he can do there. I think Tua is the best quarterback in his draft. Uh, that's just me. Uh, I think he's a can't-miss can't prospect as well. I think the Dolphins are going to be extremely happy with what they get at the number five pick in Tua. But moving on here to the Los Angeles Chargers, they have the number six pick. You know, they lost uh, Phillip Rivers in free agency to the Indianapolis Colts, a long-time starter. And I think with this number six pick, I have the Chargers selecting Justin Herbert from Oregon. Uh, Herbert is the prototype quarterback. He's six foot six, 236 pounds. Uh, he can make all the throws. He can run the football. He had three rushing touchdowns in the Rose Bowl against Wisconsin. And he has experience with professional passing concepts. And I think one of the things, one of the negatives, I think he doesn't really make plays off script that often he's more of mechanical versus like a maestro. I think that's one of the knocks on him. But I think, you know, 
at that that number three quarterback, I think it's between Jordan Love and Herbert. And I would select, you know, Herbert. He has a better record against better team. He's played against a high, a better level of competition. He's he succeeded obviously, and uh, I think he's he'll be a great guy to come in and sit behind Tyrod Taylor for a look for a year. Who's a consummate professional, knows how to play the quarterback position. He's been in the playoffs, so I think it'll be a great guy to learn from for a year before taking the reins, you know, and leading this franchise going forward. So. So moving on to number seven pick, it's on you. Yeah, so originally I had the Carolina Panthers actually taking Isaiah Simmons as uh, the replacement for Luke Keekley on that defense. But in this situation, since he's off the board, I have them taking Derrick Brown, defensive lineman out of Auburn. Uh, and just, you know, Carolina with Luke Keekley's retirement, and the release of Cam Newton, it's clear that they've officially hit the reset button. Uh, so I think with their picks, they're going to be taking the best player available. And to me, he's easily a top 10 pick and the best defensive lineman in this draft behind Chase Young. Uh, and just watching him at Auburn the last two years, I mean, he dominated on that defensive line, uh, both in the run game and getting after the quarterback. Um, so I like that fit for him. I think I've seen him go to the Panthers in a lot of mock drafts. I think you might, unless any unforeseen trades happen, I think you can pencil him in at number seven. Uh, they lost Dontari Poe and, you know, and Gerald McCoy in free agency. I think that's a position of need. So that's a great pick for Carolina. Uh, so moving on to the Arizona Cardinals, they have the number eight pick. You know, originally uh, I had a receiver going there, but with the trade of DeAndre Hopkins, you obviously don't need a receiver now. Having Christian Kirk and, you know, still having – Larry Fitzgerald and Andy Isabella, you have those guys. Uh, so I have them selecting an offensive tackle, uh, Jed Jedrick Wills from uh, Alabama. Uh, he's a big athletic guy. He's about 6'4", 312 pounds. Uh, he's athletic. Like I said, his position of need. You got to protect your franchise quarterback. Kyler Murray got sacked 50 times last year. That's entirely too many sacks for a quarterback to be taking. Uh, he's the highest graded tackle according to NFL draft uh, profile. He has great feet, and uh, he is uh, he's a blocker with nasty intentions. So I think, you know, that'll be a great pick for the Cardinals if he's there, which I assume he will be. I think that it fits a position of need for him. So number nine pick, go ahead. Yeah, so with the number nine pick, I have the Jacksonville Jaguars, which may be a shocker, but I have them picking C.J. Henderson, cornerback out of Florida. Uh, looking at their team, you know, just a few years ago when they were dominant, when they were called Saxonville, uh, you know, they had guys who can get after the uh, quarterback as well as an elite secondary. And looking at their offseason moves of trading Calais Campbell, uh, traded A.J. Boye, uh, they traded Jalen Ramsey last year. And just looking at those moves, I think it's clear that they're either going to go D-line or corner. Uh, so in this position, I have them picking C.J. Henderson. Um, he performed well at the draft, and there's been some talks that he could sneak his way into the top ten. Um, so if that does end up happening, I think Jacksonville could be the team that pulls the trigger and keeping him in Florida. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Yannick Ngakwe, too. You know, he, they signed a franchise tag. Them. I think they're looking for a trade partner, and they still have Josh Allen there, number one pick for last year. So, uh, you know, I think that's a great pick as well. You know, C.J. Henderson was one of my favorite players to watch. You know, obviously I'm a Florida fan, but, you know, he played some great ball last year for the Gators, uh, and he was a veteran presence in the, in the young secondary. But moving on to the last pick of the top ten, the Cleveland Browns have the floor. And with that, I have them taking Tristan Wirfs. He's an offensive tackle from Iowa. Uh, they signed Jack Conklin earlier in free agency, but he's more of a right tackle. Now you need somebody to protect their blind side. Uh, their left tackle, Greg Robinson, got arrested, you know, with the, the marijuana thing, the hundred pound, the over 100 pounds of marijuana. So he's definitely not going to be playing there next year. Uh, but I have them taking Tristan Wirfs. Uh, Wirfs is 6'5", 320 pounds, with 34-inch arms, and he ran a 4'85 at the combine. He's a a very big athletic guy with above average technique. You know, Iowa produces a lot of great offensive linemen. Uh, and it was a position of need for the Browns. And also, you know, Wurfs, uh, he has some good lateral quickness. And I was looking at his pro player comp, and it was Brown Balogda. 
Balaga, I'm sorry, a longtime tackle for the Green Bay Packers. So Balaga was a solid guy, a solid guy. He protected Aaron Rodgers uh, on the right side. So I think, you know, that's a great, that'll be a great pick for the Browns, you know, adding a position of need, you know, and bolstering the strength of the offensive line. Because, you know, they struggled last year trying to protect Baker Mayfield, and Baker Mayfield looked terrible last year. So hopefully with improved protection on the ends, you know, he can return back to his rookie form. No doubt. I like that pick. Oh, yeah. Excuse me. Uh, So moving on, man, you know, we still staying with the draft here. But, you know, the top two quarterbacks in the draft are obviously Joe Burrow and two attack of Aloha. So, you know, Quinn, but 22, who's your favorite and why? All right. So before I start, I'm going to read you two stat lines uh, from both of their Heisman winning seasons. So QBA, 69% of his passes were completed. He threw for 3,900 yards, 43 touchdowns, and six interceptions. Okay, you got that? Yep. Quarterback B, he completed 76% of his passes for 5,600 yards, 60 touchdowns, and the same amount of interceptions. Which quarterback are you taking? I know those numbers, but I'm still going with Tua. You're not fooling me. You're not fooling wow. me. Okay. Let me okay. tell you why. I think it's let me tell you why. No, 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 no. I'm I'm gonna give my case first. I think it's yeah. pretty obvious that Joe Burrow is the better quarterback. For wow. one, he just completed the best college football season ever by a quarterback, including a healthy tour when he won Heisman. Keep that in mind. Joe Burrow beat seven top ten teams compared to two was four. They had the same opponents in the college football playoff, uh, Oklahoma and Clemson, right? Joe Burrow ran through both of them easily. Tua national championship game laid an absolute egg. Clemson held him scoreless for nearly three quarters. Three. And somehow, Joe Burrow unfairly gets criticized for having NFL talent around him. But let me name you two as top receivers. <laughs> Jerry Judy, arguably top 10 pick. Henry Ruggs, easily top 15 pick. Devontae Smith, first-round pick next year. And Jalen Waddle, first-round pick next year. Tell me, where is Tua not surrounded by NFL talent? Not to mention Jedrick Wills you just match, uh, mentioned as a top 10 draft pick. Tell Najee. me where Tua doesn't have NFL draft talent. Don't forget Najee. Yeah, him too. You just keep making my case for me. Look, and I mean, looking at their stat lines, uh, over the course of two seasons, so I didn't take the Heisman. I did both seasons, this and last. They have identical completion percentages. Joe Burrow passes for more yards per game, and Joe Burrow has been responsible for five more touchdowns. So both quarterbacks to me are both accurate. We know Tua is accurate, but Joe Burrow is equally as accurate. Tua is mobile as a quarterback and, you know, can make plays with his legs. But don't sleep on Joe Burrow. He also knows how to run the ball or run outside the pocket when necessary. But here's where I have to split hairs between the two. Joe Burrow was a better off-schedule playmaker when things broke down uh, Joe Burrow was way better in those situations than Tua. I'm sorry. And he throws with great anticipation than anybody in college football. One one thing that you need in the NFL is to be able to throw with anticipation and to throw your receivers open. And Joe Burrow did that better than anybody in college football last season. And then third, when you see Tua making these passes to Ruggs and Judy and Waddle and Smith too, they're like little simple slants and crossers, and they're taking ten yard passes, sixty yards for touchdowns. Do you? I mean, Joe Burrow, he's easily the better downfield thrower than Tua. And then on top of that, Tua just had this hip injury last year, and you still don't even know where he is as far as health wise. So that's a major red flag for me. So I think that this debate easily leans toward Joe Burrow. You're wrong. You're very wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. Okay, so Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow did put up the 60 touchdowns and the 5,600 yards. 
in the six interceptions last year. But he had NFL talent at every position, literally, at every position. And Tua did it. Not, I, I'm not saying that. Let me finish. And not to mention, <laughs> not to mention, an NFL offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Joe Burrow's numbers, his first year in LSU, he threw for 2,800 yards, only 16 touchdowns. And he goes to 5,600 yards and 60 touchdowns. So how much is that is Joe Burrow and how much of that is Joe Brady and the talent around How many yards did Tua throw for this year? He threw for 2,900, but he missed like four, four, three, four. Oh, years. that's right. He was injured. My bad. Okay. Injuries happen, man. Come on now. But listen, bro. I mean, Joe Burrow is great, bro, but I don't think he's better than Tua. First of all, I mean, Joe, Bray, Joe Burrow, he has a high IQ. He has great intangibles. He's very good with timing and anticipation. He's very athletic. He has great touch, great ball placement, and he's an improviser. But I think one thing that you didn't note is he has average to below average arm strength. And, you know, a lot of times at LSU, receivers, he has great receivers, bro. He had arguably the best receiver in football last year in Jamar Chase. He also had Justin Jefferson, who's going to be a first-round pick, and he had Terrence Marshall and Thaddeus Moss and Clyde Edwards, he there. Uh the average, the below average to below average arm strength concerns me because he's not going to be playing. He's going to be playing tougher opponents in the NFL, and he doesn't have that much talent on the team in terms of offensive weapons. He has AJ Green and Joe Mixon, but you know what other what other receivers and you know what about the tight end situation and offensive line? So with Tua, man, I love Tua. He's been a monster his last two years at at Bama. Came in as a freshman, you know, in the championship game and delivered. Uh, two is big time, man. He has active feet. feet. He's an improviser. He has a, a quick release. He has an elite arm talent, can make every throw. He's mobile, and he's a good deep ball thrower, man. I don't know what you're talking about. He used to drop dimes down the field of Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy and Devontae Smith. Uh, but, you know, obviously the red flag is – All those first-round picks. I don't – listen, man. I, I don't care about none of that, bro. You got to – all those not, dudes that can ride four fours in the fault. forty yard dash. It's not his fault. You can't not fault a man for having talent. Well, I know I just contradicted. You just, you just criticized. <laughs> listen, but listen, I don't know. I'm done. I'm done. I know with Tua, you got the durability issues. You know, he had two ankle surgeries. I don't think you mentioned that, and he also had a hip surgery. But bro, I just you making my case for me. I'm not. I'm just. I'm. I'm not trying to be biased, but I'm trying to you know give the facts. You know, I can't just give one side of the facts. I got to give both sides of the facts. That's you know that's part of your job as a as an analyst and a journalist. You can't just be given one sided, one sided information. But I, bro, I think it's if you when you watch Tua play, I think you know I I know what I'm getting when I see Tua. Joe Burrow, his two seasons were on complete opposite ends of the spectrum. So is he that great guy that we just saw last year, or the guy we saw the year before, or is he somewhere in the middle? But Do you know, all quarterbacks not get better throughout their college football career? Nobody's ever gotten that better from year to year. Come on, bro. Come on, Quentin. Who do you know Hater. besides him has gotten that better from, from one year to the next? Cam Newton. <laughs> Come on. No, no. He won a national championship at Blinn College and won one at Auburn. I don't want to hear that. And his numbers were not like that. They weren't even close. But bro, I think it's Tua, uh, bro. Listen, you know, the anticipation, like I mentioned, all the intangible stuff, the anticipation, the leadership, the arm talent. I just think, like I said, you know consistency. You know what you're going to get from him. And I'm not saying Joe Burrow is inconsistent because he's not by any means. But I think those two seasons were just so far on the opposite ends of the spectrum. I don't know what to expect from him uh, going into the NFL. I think, too, you pretty much know what you're going to get. You know, the touchdown. Do you really? Yeah. In terms of – When was the last time you saw him play healthy? When he's on the – what I'm saying, when he's on the field, you know what you're going to get. He has a touchdown and interception ratio of, ratio of eight to one, bro. Like, that's ridiculous. I know Burrow is, Burrows is great, too. It's probably even better than Tua's is. But still, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. But, you know what I'm saying? It's just uh, the two separate – two different seasons is what worries me about Burrow and the arm talent. Like, I don't – I've never seen – development that rapid and it wasn't because of the coordinator and the scheme that they were putting together or was it because he's just that talented and got that good that's a that's a big unknown for me you know and like i said i'm probably needed some people to throw to they had the same guys the year before what do you mean exactly they got better too <laughs> okay whatever but it's not like it's just was that scheme that made him as good as he is like we don't know uh, we don't know what the coordinating situation is like in Cincinnati. We don't know 
I don't know what Zach Smith, what the coach is, is a, is a play caller. I don't know about the weapons he has. It's a lot that went into making Joe Burrow what he was this past year. He's a great player. I'm not trying to take away from Joe Burrow at all. But I just think Tua is just a better – he's a better prospect in terms of you know what you're going to get on the field when he's on the field. Now, the big problem is if he's on the field, you know, they do say the best ability is availability. He hasn't been as available, you know, these last couple of years as you would like your star quarterback to be. But if Tua can be what he is – like what he – if Tua can be in the NFL what he was in college, then – no, it's no question he's better than Burrow. Man, that's a bunch of ifs. Man, whatever, man, whatever. <laughs> we both, we both know. We both know. We both know Tua's better in your in our hearts. In your heart, you know Tua better than Joe Burrow. Look, I saw Tua play in person, and I'm not trying to slight him or disrespect him in one bit. We just don't know what kind of player he is right now. That's all I'm trying to say. I understand your concerns about the injuries. I really do. But when he's on the field, when you look at the tape, bro, he's better than Joe Burrow. Yeah, I just know Joe Burrow's still going to go down with the greatest college football season ever by a quarterback. But think about also, think of when What did two were doing the national championship game last year? You ignored that. I know. He laid a little egg. I ain't going to lie to you. <laughs> a little egg? <laughs> Later, egg. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not gonna lie to you. 44 to 16 is a little egg. Bro, the whole team got abused, bro. Not just two. I don't want to hear it. The defense, <laughs> That's the a team full of five star recruits. The defensive backs got abused. The uh, line of scrimmage, they were abused on the line of scrimmage. Come on, bro. Like it wasn't just and Joe. Joe Burrow did the abusing. Case closed. It wasn't. It wasn't just two out there. You know what? And about the Alabama LSU game. Two was about seventy percent, and he still almost beat Joe, Joe Burrow head to head, bro. At almost 70%, at seventy percent, almost. Bro. At 70%, almost. That's the that's the that is the worst game I've seen an Alabama coach, uh, a Nick Saban Alabama coach team play. The worst missed tackles assigned. Really, it was worse than the game against Clemson last year, <laughs> bro. I think, I honestly get that. Like I'm terms that in terms of like I ain't talking about score. Talk about in terms of execution. Talk about Tua came out from the jump and threw a pick six. That's, that's about, on his team. I'm talking about in terms of execution. I'm saying he didn't play well either, but, I mean, they missed tackles, penalties. Pick six. A pick six from the jump. All this stuff. Everything, tone. everything that could have went bad for Alabama in that game went bad, and they still almost won with, with a 70% Joe Burrow came out slinging. It didn't matter. L- listen, man, two is better. I don't care what you say. We going to see. When this NFL season turn around, when he's got a few years from now, we're going to think back to this, and I'm going to laugh at you. Oh, wait. No, that's different. That's different because you can blame that on the Bengals, not Joe Burrow. That's two different cases you're trying to make. No, I don't want to hear it, man. You said he better. I don't want to hear it. Okay. Let's see what kind of help the Bengals going to get them then. Uh, I mean, what is the do- what, what offensive weapons do the Dolphins really have, though? I mean, they got, like, Devontae Parker and – they signed Jordan Howard, but what else do they got? Exactly. They, gotta... they finna both struggle. Nah, Tua, Tua finna show you. If he's healthy and he plays this year, Tua's going to show you that he better than Joe Burrow. I'm just going to be gonna have them five-star receivers to throw to no more. It's a different ball game. Listen, Joe Burrow not going to have them elite guys. What do you mean? But look, this ain't about who going to a better situation. This is about which quarterback will we draft. Man, you know what? We took too much time on this, man. Let's move on. <laughs> so, right, on this past Tuesday, the NFL owners approved the expansion of of the NFL playoffs to 14 teams. Quentin, how do you feel about this? Look, I don't really have much to say on this one. I just want it to be known. I don't get the point of it. Uh, of course, with this, it'll be now three wild cards for each um, conference, I believe. And only the number one seeds are going to get bye weeks. Only real benefit I see from this, which of course the owners voted for, is the extra money from having an extra team in the playoffs. Other than that, ain't nobody as a seven seed finna threaten nobody for a Super Bowl. That's like last season, let's say for example, the six seed, I mean the seven seeds would have been the Rams in the NFC and the Steelers. With Mason Rudolph in the AFC, do you think they really were going to threaten anybody? 
Absolutely no. not. <laughs> I'm not on board with this decision at all. That means we probably gonna be seeing the eight and eight Cowboys in the playoffs every year. Hey, let, no, hey, first of all, get off my Cowboys. Your 49ers just got to get off still. Your 49ers just, just got, got good. good. Yeah. We just went to a Super Bowl like five years ago. When was the last time ago. y'all went to war? Five years ago, I wasn't even in college, man. You weren't even born last time the Cowboys went to a Super Bowl. I don't want to hear it. We're not going to bring it up, see. <laughs> but listen, man, I'm on board with the decision. I'm all for an extra playoff game. I love NFL football. And if it's going to add a third playoff game, hey, listen, I love to see it. I don't have any problems with it. Uh, but, you know what I'm saying, in terms of that seventh seed, I don't really think they're going to threaten, you know, those top teams anyway. So, you know, in terms so why of that, put them there? Listen, man, more money. You know, it's all about Just to money. Be somebody punching back the first round. <laughs> it's all about money, man. It's all about money. And like you said, the Rams wouldn't have made any noise. And the Mason Rudolph led Steelers definitely wasn't going to make any noise. But I don't see a problem with it. I mean, guys are getting paid, owners are getting paid, everybody getting paid for this extra game. And the fans get to see more football, which is, which as a football fan, I'm all for seeing more football. I wish we had, I'm, wish we had football going on now. I was loving the XFL. You know, I just want to see some football, man. So I definitely (laughs) No, it's the Houston Roughnecks or nothing. You a bandwagon fan. That's all I got to say on that. Never, never. (laughs) Man, let's stick with the NFL here. And, you know, we both made a list of our top 10 quarterbacks. Uh, Quentin, you go first. All right. So I'm excited about this one. So here's my top 10 quarterbacks, one through 10. I have Patrick Mahomes. Clearly number one. Russell Wilson, number two. Lamar Jackson at three. Jackson. I put Drew Brees at four. Deshaun Watson at five. This is heavily based off last season. I just want that disclaimer to be known. But Ryan Tannehill is at six. Aaron Rodgers at seven. Kirk Cousins at eight. <laughs> Matthew Stafford nine and Carson Wentz ten. This man Go ahead. So this man give your list. <laughs> say what you gotta say. I want you to say it. <laughs> All right. So at one I got Patrick Mahomes, obviously. Uh that there should never be any debate at this point. I got Russell Wilson at two. Lamar Jackson at three. At four, I got Deshaun Watson, the magic man. All he does is make plays. It's Michael Jordan. You ought to be ashamed. <laughs> At five, I have Aaron Rodgers. He's still that bad man. Uh, at six, I have Drew oh, Brees. really? I have <laughs> at six, I have Drew Brees. At seven, I have Carson Wentz. At eight, I have Tom Brady. At nine, I have Matt Ryan. And at number ten, I have Rain Dakota Prescott. Dak Prescott. Boy, you done lost it. You you might need to get checked out, Jimmy. I'm convinced. You talking about me, bro? You have Matt Stafford, Kirk Cousins, and Ryan Tannehill in your top ten, and but you want to talk about my list, bro? Was Matt Ryan or Dak Prescott in the playoffs last year? Nope. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought. Anyway, let's get to the what say what. Listen, oh well, our top three was the same. I'm pretty sure that was just. I mean, that was a given. Look. I want this to be known, too. I'm excited that four of the top five uh, quarterbacks in the NFL are black right now and in their primes or either, like, going into their primes. Like, seeing the way that these dudes have changed the way that the quarterback position is being played, uh, you know, going away from your typical drop back, you know, read the defense quarterback. These guys are all dynamic. They're all franchise changers, and they're all – as we've seen, they can play at an MVP level. Uh, and I think just that alone, you know, it has me really excited about the quarterbacks of the future in the NFL. No more, you know, Brady, Manning, Roethlisberger, and even Rodgers taking all the MVP awards. We can get some color in there. So I'm excited about this. What do you think? I'm excited, too. Uh, I think it was the year of the black quarterback. I think that's something that was – I think it was a documentary made about that. I'm excited, too, for those guys. Like you said, they've cha- they're changing the way that you evaluate a quarterback now. It's not no longer the 
the six foot six, two hundred thirty pound drop back guy to run a four eight forty. Nah, is you guy that got an arm and can make plays with his feet. I think that's what it's about. The game is trending towards quarterbacks who are mobile, and I think you know, with that being said, you know those guys are set up in positions to be successful. But in terms of this top ten, man, like we said, the top three was no debate. Uh, but I think where we first started to have our differences was five and four and five. I had Deshaun Watson. Well, you took me. Lamar. You took Lamar over Wilson. No, I did. No, I yeah, had. Did I you had, have Wilson second. I had. I had Wilson in two. Okay. 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 So I think what we sure. ventured off was this. I had Deshaun Watson in four, and you had Drew Brees. Uh, Drew Brees missed five games. What well, five games last year? And uh, the Saints won five and zero. Oh, and the year before, you know, he looked tired towards the end of the year. So I think Deshaun Watson with the youth advantage, uh, and he's you know healthier. I, I that's what I ultimately went with Watson at four instead of Drew Brees because of that. Uh, Brees is probably in his last year, and I think, uh, I think honestly, uh, well, Drew Brees he was he was very good in the time he did play. He had twenty seven touchdowns. I'm trying to and, tell you, and he missed five games. And he completed 74% of his passings. But I think, I don't know, just the way when I watch Deshaun Watson play, I get a sense of excitement. Like, and and he's just he's just flabbergasting in the plays he makes. They got that play against the Bills uh, when he got smacked and still spent that of it and threw like a 34-yard pass. I think that's something Drew Brees can't do. <laughs> and, you know, I just – the way Deshaun Watson plays the quarterback position, he's – He's a leader. I mean, Drew Brees is a leader as well. I'm not taking away from Drew Brees. I just think, you know, with the way the quarterback position is trending, I think Deshaun Watson, you know, is better suited for the game. And I think I would take him over Drew Brees any day, uh, even a young Drew Brees. Wow, I can't believe you. I'm still going to have to give Brees the edge because, one, like you said, he missed five games with a thumb injury. But outside of those games he missed, I mean, Drew Brees was nearly unstoppable last year. He had 27 passing touchdowns and only four interceptions. He had one more passing touchdown than Deshaun Watson did in 15 games. And look, I'm going to read you two stat lines again. Let's do this one more time. So quarterback A, 3,800 passing yards, 67% of his passes completed, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Then I'm going to read you the second guy, 3,900 passing yards, 69% of his pass completed, 27 touchdowns, and 13 interceptions. You want to know who that second quarterback stat line was? It was Drew Brees. I I got the numbers right here. But what you did add. Wait, no, 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 no. The first one was Deshaun Watson. The second one was Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, what you what you failed to take add, that in for a second? No, what you failed huh? to add was the four hundred thirteen rush yards and also the seven touchdowns from Deshaun Watson. Don't forget, Deshaun Watson can run the rock too. He he not just standing back there like a statue and getting sacked. He running the rock. So you got to add that. It's just like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson has the worst passing numbers in terms of passing yards out of anybody we just named. Well, outside of Matt Stafford, you know, and Drew Brees because they miss, you know. A large chunk of the season, uh, but you got to also add in his twelve hundred rush yards and his seven touchdowns, bro. So you know, you got to give him credit for what else he does, you know. But you, I mean, I can't take away from Jimmy G because he doesn't run; it's not his game. But you know, bro, Deshaun Watson, bro, I think he's he's better than Jimmy G. He's better than Drew Brees. I don't I don't know anybody that would I'm take not- besides besides Saints fans. Who do you know would take Drew Brees over Deshaun Watson right now? I don't know anybody that would. A lot of people. All I'm saying is Deshaun Watson, no doubt he's elite. I'm a big Deshaun Watson fan. I'm just saying he has another step to take before he's, like, just up there in tier one for quarterbacks for me. I mean, you also can't ignore the fact uh, while he did lead them back against the Bills, you can equally blame him for the reason they were in a hole to begin with. And then secondly – how do you go to Kansas City and let a 24-0 lead slip away? You can't like, put that on him scored. alone. You can't put that on him alone. He's the, he's the leader of the team. He got Bill O'Brien as a coach. He has Bill O'Brien as a coach and a GM. I don't hear it. Bill Belichick said, Bill, no, listen, Bill Belichick said, a great player cannot <laughs> overcome mediocre coaching. 
Can we both well, agree? Can we both agree that Bill O'Brien is extremely pedestrian as a coach and as a GM? I'm not taking that away. All I know is Bill O'Brien ain't the one on the field playing. It's Deshaun Watson's responsibility to rally the team together and be like, look, we up 24 points. It ain't no reason these cats should be coming back. And they just abused them the rest of their game. Like, that was ugly to watch. You can't be having choke jobs like that. That's why I still have to give the edge to Drew Brees. Because looking at the last three seasons, they've had their season in on three horrendous plays that Drew Brees wasn't even on the field for. And if it weren't for those, those teams were viewed as Super Bowl favorites. I mean, they thought the Saints were going to come to San Francisco and take a Super Bowl trip from us. But you see how that went. But all I'm saying is Deshaun Watson just has another step that he needs to take before I can give him an edge over Drew Brees. I know you're That's not going to sit here and talk about Deshaun Watson playoff game and uh, when Drew Brees uh, played, uh, you know, very pedestrian against uh, the Vikings in their one playoff game. Drew Brees was and 20. Deshaun wasn't pedestrian against the Bills. He was 26 of 33 for 208 yards to touchdown and interception. That's 6.3 yards in attempt, per attempt. That's terrible, man. Come on now. Deshaun All right. Watson. Now, what's Deshaun Watson's against the Bills? I'm looking up the numbers now. Give me one second. <laughs> I'll wait. I'm, I'm here now. Okay. He was 20 of 25 for 247 yards and a touchdown. He had a quarterback rating of 121.2. And he also had 55 rush yards. But he didn't have an interception, though. And he also had 55 rush yards and a touchdown. And in game two against the Kansas City Chiefs, he was 31 of 52 for 388 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. And he also added 37 rush yards and another touchdown. He had a higher yeah. yard per had a higher yards per attempt in both games. So are had, you saying based off the playoffs, you taking Deshaun Watson over Drew Brees? Not just the playoffs. Not the, I'm not the about, entire season. I'm talking about a complete body, bro. I'm taking Deshaun Watson over Drew Brees. This is all opinion. And for my team, give me a young athletic quarterback, man. They can do it all. That's yeah, all okay. I'm that's all I'm saying. But also, we had another difference right. there. Uh, I had Aaron Rodgers at number five. I had him over Drew Brees, and apparently you took took exception to that. I don't know why. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, until Patrick Mahomes came along, Aaron Rodgers was probably the most talented quarterback the game has ever seen, and it wasn't really that close. Not anymore. Not yeah, anymore. We, we both know Pat Mahomes was made in the lab. Come on now. Let's not. <laughs> but, bro, listen, I still Same got lab is Giannis. I still got Aaron Rodgers over Drew Brees, bro. Listen, who was the last good number two receiver Aaron Rodgers had? And how long who was the last was? good one Drew Brees had? But he also got Alvin Kamara, and he also has Jared Who Cook. was injured last year. Listen. Who disappeared half the season. You might as well say Jimmy Graham disappeared because he sure wasn't a factor. <laughs> well, I ain't got nothing to do with that. Listen. Drew Brees still had better numbers and less games. He's been better set up for success over the last few years. The Saints don't mind spending money to get players. We talking about the Packers here. I ain't never. I've known them very few times in my life to make some free agency moves. Even this year, this coming up, the only thing, only move they've made, they've signed Christian Kirksey, who was who's played nine games in the last two years for the Browns, and they let go of the leading tackler for the last three years. That's the only man. And they added Devin Funches, who didn't play at all last year. And the year before, he played with Carolina. <laughs> like, Devin Funches is their number two receiver. Before then, bro, they had Geronimo Allison and uh, Valdez Scantlin as a number two receiver, bro. And the, oh, don't mention, Devontae Adams missed, like, four games. Don't, what would Drew Brees look like if Michael Thomas missed four games? We ain't got nothing to do with that. No, no, no. You need to hear this right here. No, we're not going to be talking about Aaron Rodgers like this. We all know that man is better than Drew Brees. Come on now. I'm sorry. What did Aaron Rodgers do when he came to San Francisco? Punching bag. The team was a punching bag, not just Aaron Rodgers, bro. 
man, Aaron Rodgers is one in three in NFC championships. At some point, you got to take the blame. He got the same amount of championships as Drew Brees. Exactly. And Drew Brees got better career numbers. He didn't play By far. He didn't, I don't want to hear it. First of all, he been playing longer, and then they have to sit behind Brett Favre. Okay, okay. So he been playing longer, but who got more five thousand yard passing seasons? I don't care about that. They got the same amount of Super Bowls. <laughs> all them five thousand yard seasons. Most of them seasons, he was like seventy. Three of them seasons, he was like seventy nine. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> don't throw me numbers if you're not winning, bro. Aaron Rodgers. You know what? I'm gonna say that for later. Never mind. I ain't gonna get on Aaron Rodgers' case just yet. Man, you know what? Moving on. Uh, I had Carson Wentz at seven, Brady at eight, Matt Ryan at nine, and uh, Prescott at ten. Uh, I don't really feel like it was much debate with that. Uh, you didn't yeah, have was. you didn't have Brady you didn't have Brady in your top ten, and you didn't even consider his like He's not a top ten quarterback. It's like a bro. You you had Matthew Stafford over time. If you Brady. look at arm talent. Tom Brady was not a top ten quarterback, and it showed in the playoffs. It's hard. It's hard to display arm talent when ain't nobody getting open. I want to hear it. You supposed to be the goat. You got to I mean, make it work. He did have Kenny Galladay and Marvin and Marvin Jones. You know, I think Tom Brady would have would have loved to have Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. He had a broken down Julian Edelman, Muhammad Sanu, who couldn't get the playbook down pat. And he had Nikhil Harry, who looked like the first eight games. Had Matt Lacoste at tight end. I don't even know where he went to school. He had a 70-year-old Benjamin Watson, man. Come on, bro. All right. So, that's why he's the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. Man, you tripping, Queen. You tripping. But, man. No, let's, sir. Let's move on. We spent a little too much time on this one. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. All right, bro. But we're staying with quarterbacks here. So, you know. The last few years, you know, the Packers haven't been having as much success. You know, it, lo- it looks like Aaron Rodgers, he's been he's definitely been on the decline the last few years. So, do you think Aaron Rodgers' window as a championship quarterback has closed? Unfortunately, and I've, I've been a fan of Aaron Rodgers, uh, I do think his Super Bowl window is closed. I mean, plain and simple, he's just not the two-time MVP that we saw at the peak of his career. I mean, he's 36 years old. He's not getting any younger. And I think we saw a little bit of that age starting to show last year. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think he's in the upper echelon of quarterbacks, which is why I had him ranked seventh. Um, But I think that his last good chance at winning the Super Bowl was the 2014-15 season. Uh, That year, he had the number one scoring offense in the NFL. He had Eddie Lacy, who was still relevant before he became a human bowling ball. Uh, he had Pro Bowl Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb with a, a young Devontae Adams. And then they went right to Seattle in the playoffs. Uh, mind you, Seattle had five turnovers, and Green Bay led 19-7 to in the fourth quarter. What Aaron Rodgers do? Disappeared. And Russell... <laughs> Russell Wilson showed him up right there. And then even after that, you had 2015, he had a good team. What happened? He got outplayed by Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer came back 2016, NFC Championship again. What the Atlanta Falcons do? Punching back, made him look like a scrub. And then he what? He missed two, missed the playoffs two years. You know, he was. Injured, banged up a little bit. I'll give him a pass for that. So, guess what? He came back this year. Big, bad, Green Bay Packers went, what, 12-4, and 13-3, and three, something like that? Mm-hmm. Came to San Francisco, punching back. We just consistently see Aaron Rodgers in these big games, and his team just gets dominated. And, like, like I said, I think that 2014 team was his last chance at the championship. And, I mean, even looking at this season, uh, the Packers had a weak schedule. They played one of the weakest schedules in the NFL. And, you know, they had what? I think Seattle, who was coming off, um, you know, they had that loss to us week 17, which I'm sure did enough emotional damage to them. And then they played – they had to travel to Philly, 
and they beat them, but then traveled to Green Bay the preceding week. And I think that had a lot to do with why Green Bay edged them in that game. And you saw in the NFC Championship game how they got exposed. And I don't know. I just think his best days are behind him. And unless a miracle can happen this year, I think his Super Bowl window is officially closed. I think it's closed, uh, but not because of him. Uh, obviously, he's been on decline the last few years. But I think the talent around him hasn't been great. His defense has been absolutely terrible like the last few years. Uh, they got better, uh, considerably better last year. They got the Smith guys, Zadarius and Preston Smith. You know, they added Adrian Amos, you know, uh, J.R. Alexander is an elite corner, so they definitely got better in terms of defense. Uh, but if you look at you talking about his playoff losses, his last five playoff losses, the defense has given up an average of 31.6 points per game. It's completely unfair to Aaron Rodgers to have to go on the, to go into a playoff game and have to put up over 30 points every single time in order to win. I don't Isn't know. Isn't he supposed to be one of the best quarterbacks of all time? He is. But listen, bro, football is not a one-man sport. Football is a team sport. You can be Tom Tom Brady put up 500 passing yards against the Eagles, but you know what you know what happened? He took an L. You want to know why? He put up he put up points though. But they How took, many points did the Packers have in the NFC Championship game this year? They had 20. But the well, team, besides that. <laughs> listen, the thing is though, even with that game, Tom Brady, the team, the defense gave up plenty of points, and he had to put up those numbers. I, I, putting it's not it's hard to win playoff games in the NFL having to put up 30, 30, 35 points every single time in order just to even have a chance. Like the team itself wasn't physical. I think the team itself was kind of soft last year. Uh, you know they got pushed, and when it came push came to shove, they always got pushed around. Uh, they got beat down by the Chargers. I remember that, that weird game. They looked absolutely terrible. They got beat up by the 49ers both times they played. Twice. You know, <laughs> I, I, just think, I think it's a team. I don't think it's because of him. I think it's the lack of you know help around him. Like, the offense hasn't been great the last few years. I think it's because of the lack of weapons. Uh, Aaron Jones came on as a great back last year. But before then, you know, who was the, his last – Besides Eddie Lacy, which who was good in 2014, uh, who was between that time, 2019-2014, they really didn't have a good running back. Uh, you know, Randall Cobb got older, and they let him go. They only had Devontae Adams the last few years. But outside of Devontae Adams, who's been the other reliable receiving threat besides Devontae Adams over the last few years? And it's hard to beat NFL teams when they can key in on one or two guys. Uh, we, I mean, we see that every Sunday. Bill Belichick takes away your number one option. He makes and you he makes you beat him with somebody else. But the Packers don't have anyone else besides Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones has been proven he can take over games. We saw that last year. But you know, add, I think adding Devin Funches could help. Uh, but he drops a lot of balls, which is concerning for me, considering he's a receiver. He's a big receiver. He drops a lot of balls. Uh, so if he can be a consistent number two, and they can find you know a replacement for Jimmy Graham at tight end, who didn't really give him much. I think they'll be right back in contention. And if the defense continues to get better, I think they'll be right back in championship contention again next year. Here's my thing, though. If you're the face of this franchise, and we saw last offseason how he he voiced his frustrations with Mike McCarthy, and what they do, they got him out. Why couldn't he have that same input on getting them a receiver? I mean, at some point, yes, he didn't have enough help, but at some point, your quarterback has to be able to elevate your team and, you know, lead them. And I've never really just heard of Aaron Rodgers just being like this leader who, you know, can rally his team behind him. I just haven't really seen that out of him consistently over his career. And I think that shows in the playoffs. Because like I said, I mean, they didn't really beat anybody last year. They had the Lions, who they play twice a year. Uh, they beat the Redskins, the Giants, like literally the Broncos. They didn't play anybody. They just got a bunch of cheap, empty wins. And I think we would have. It would have been more obvious this year that he was declining if they hadn't have made the playoffs like they did his last full season as a starter. But I think it's really gonna show this year. 
And I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Packers don't even make the playoffs next year. I think that's ridiculous. Oh, they're definitely going to make the playoffs. I mean, they could have the, the division they play in. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings lost Stephon Diggs, man. They lost Everson Griffin. Uh, they lost Trey Wayans. What you call has been to Xavier Rhodes been terrible since he signed that contract. I think the Vikings are definitely going to take a step back as a team. And I think the Lions are the Lions. They're no matter how many good players they have, they're always going to be a dysfunctional franchise. Uh, so I think I mean the Packers are right in the position again to go to the playoffs again. I think they'll probably be a top two or three seed and get exposed again. Listen, get we, exposed. Listen, I think you know. If the window has closed, it's not because of him. I think it's because of the surrounding parts. And you know, I like, hear you, bro. In his I'm play- telling you, he's not the same dude he used to be. I'm gonna tell you, listen. In his playoff career, in his losses, okay, this these are the, the points that the, his team is giving up: 51, 37, 45, <laughs> 23, 28, <laughs> 26. 44 and 37. That's a lot of high 30s and 40s. <laughs> who, who, who do you know? What quarterback do you know? <laughs> don't win games having to put up 50 points in the playoff game. Bro. You don't know any because it's, it's darn near impossible to do. Look, that's career. okay, but. The one, but time, even... one time he had a top 10 scoring defense, he won a Super Bowl. The one time. Outside of that, defense has been pretty much below average to terrible. It don't so matter. What was his excuse? What was his excuse in 2015 when they blew their fourth quarter lead to the Seahawks? They just blew the lead. The Seahawks wanted it more. It's that simple. He had two. He had two Pro Bowl wide receivers and a Pro Bowl running back. And what do you do? Ain't no excuses, bro. Sometimes, hey, listen. Sometimes you know things just don't work in your favor, and you know. The other team wants it a little more. It looked like Seattle won. I remember watching that game. I watched that game several times since then. And it just looked like when the fourth quarter came, Seattle wanted that game more. You don't forget, hey, don't forget about that, that onside kick that that man dropped, that Brandon Bostick dropped. Don't forget about that. That was a huge factor. I know you didn't think I was going to forget about that. <laughs> don't matter. I mean, I, yeah, obviously, like I said. He should have scored some more points. He's been on the decline, you know, and sometimes it's just some games you just – don't have it, and there's been times where he hasn't had it. But bro, I think mostly his failures have become have have been because of the lack of support he's had as a team. You know, he hasn't played well in all those games. Obviously, I mean, you you mentioned the numbers, but you know, I don't think it's on Aaron Rodgers. I think if the team can perform at a higher level, I think he'll be better. Well, I think it's too late for that. It's been real though. <laughs> <laughs> Man, but moving on to our last topic of today, you know, it's been a lot of, you know, people, a lot of people talked about Jimmy G after this Super Bowl game, uh, and I don't really understand it. I think Jimmy G is a good quarterback. I think, you know, depending on what type of team you have, you know, he can play, you know, a variety of ways. You know, we've seen the game against New Orleans when he put up amazing numbers. You know, he had the games in the playoffs where he hardly threw the ball. So, Quinn, I know you're 49ers. Yeah, you have to. <laughs> it's uh, but Quinn, you're a 49ers fan. Would you want if you weren't a 49ers fan? Would you want Jimmy G to be your quarterback? I'm gonna say yes, but I'm gonna put an asterisk. And since you put it from that point of view, I think it depends on who my current quarterback is. But I will go on record and say that I don't believe that Jimmy G is a franchise quarterback in terms of. Uh, you know, being an elite quarterback that you can just go out there and put the uh, weight of your offense on his shoulders. I will say he's not quite at that level yet. Uh, but you do have to take into consideration, this was only his first full year as a starter. And, I mean, look what he did. He got us to a Super Bowl. I mean, people were predicting us to go, like, 4-12 and 12 before the season started, but we finished 13-3. and Um uh, and what his trajectory reminds me of is, you know, a young Tom Brady or a young Russell Wilson. Uh, when they first experienced success in the league, how did they win? They had an elite defense, and all they had to do was not turn the ball over and make plays on third down. What did Jimmy G do? He was only number one in the league on third down conversions. 
So looking at that, and then he's 21 and five as a starter. He led four game winning drives this season. You mentioned the Saints. We know how that went down. He also led game winning drives twice against the Cardinals and once against the Rams. So he clearly has a clutch gene, you know, outside of what happened in the Super Bowl, which first off, I don't get how people think that the 10 point lead was just the biggest lead in the world. And like the the Chiefs can't score touchdowns in a matter of seconds. I won't understand that to this day. Um, but looking at Jimmy G from last season, don't you know he was only one of two quarterbacks in the league to complete 69% of his passes and throw for 27 touchdowns? And you know who the other was? Jerez. Exactly. No other quarterback in the league. Not Pat Mahomes. Definitely not Lamar Jackson, although he did have the touchdown numbers. And even, guys, Russell Wilson didn't throw for 69% of his passes. So just looking at all we need him to do is, you know, like I said, not turn the ball over and make plays on third down. I think Kyle Shanahan has the perfect offense that's tailored to fit his playing style. And I think in the NFL these days, that's what it's all about. People look at, okay, yeah, this quarterback's talented. Maybe he can lead us to a Super Bowl. But there's so much that go into that, like his supporting cast. Does the offense fit his playing style? Because look at guys like like Deshaun Watson. He's about to go into this season without a number one quarterback. We, we've both agreed that he's a top five quarterback. But is he going to lead that team to the playoffs? I mean, that remains to be seen. But um, – just looking at what we've asked him to do and the way he's executed that, and clearly it's a winning formula, I definitely take Jimmy G as my quarterback. I'm right with you, Quinn. Uh, of course, it's depending on who I had at quarterback. If I had any of those top 10 guys I named, maybe outside of Matt Ryan and Dak Prescott, then you know I wouldn't take him as my quarterback. But, <clears throat> you know, Jimmy G, like you said, completely 69% of his passes. For 3,900 yards, 27 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. I will say, when watching Jimmy G, one of the negative things about him is he's going to throw the opposing team the ball two or three times a game. It's just whether they catch it or not. <laughs> it's sometimes a couple times a game. Hey, don't get me a started. Couple, <laughs> a couple times a game where he just makes a throw, and you're like, bro, what are you doing? Right. I'd be the same way. <laughs> you know, like I said, he's relatively young. He's only started 26 games. And, He's 21 and 5 as a starter. He he wins games. Uh I think it's a negative connotation with the word game manager. And I don't think it should be. Uh all quarterbacks manage the game. Some guys just do a little more than others do. Uh, but he had a six grain, a six game stretch this year against Green Bay, Baltimore, New Orleans, Atlanta, the Rams, Seattle, and Seattle. And they went four and two in those games. And Jimmy G during that span completed 70, 70% of his passes. Uh, threw for 250 yards a game and had a thir- and threw th- 13 touchdowns and five interceptions. That's against top flight competition. His last eight games of the season, he threw for six- 68% completion percentage, 258 yards a game, 18 touchdowns versus only six interceptions. And the, the, the man, I don't get the criticism, bro. I don't either. Bro. I really all, don't. All he does is win. <laughs> like, all he does is win. You know, he was 7-1 on the road this year. Uh, he had a quarterback rating of 109 on the road versus 96 at home. So he played better statistically on the road and had a better record on the road than he did at home. Uh, that's hard to do in this league. And uh, I mean, also, and that only to, loss was to Baltimore. And you have to consider, field you know, goal. consider the defense in the running game. That's all parts of a team. But if they got a terrible quarterback at the helm, if they have, I don't know who's who's one of the worst. Andy Dalton, they're not winning those games with Andy Dalton. I don't care how good the defense <laughs> running game is. Like Jimmy G, he's good on the third down. Uh, he's good. At, he threw 16 red zone touchdowns this year. So but Jimmy G does all the things good that you want him to do. Besides throwing the ball to the other team a little too much. Uh, but, like, he's only started, you know, like I said, 26 games. So, you know, this is better decision-making comes with more experience and being more comfortable, you know, in the Kyle Shanahan offense. You know, and getting used to his weapons. You know, Debo Samuel is going to be better in year two. Uh, you know, they lost Emmanuel Sanders, but I think it's a big loss. But, you know, they still have George Kittle. Uh, you know, they still got guys like Jalen Hurd and 
Kendrick Bourne and uh, you know Richie James. You know they got the the, the three headed monster at running back, and also you know if Jarek McKinnon can get healthy, then that becomes a four headed monster. So I think they that team going forward, man. I think this is going to be a a great team that's going to contend for a championship again next year. And I think Jimmy oh, G is. Uh, don't forget we got two first round picks too. Exactly. And Jimmy G is only gonna get better. I don't understand the Jimmy Jimmy G criticism. Outside of those top seven, eight guys I name, there's no other quarterback I'd rather have. Uh he can be my quarterback pretty much any day. Uh he like I say, he does all the the things you need him to do at a at a, a good to a high level. And I think that's all you can ask for. Ask of a quarterback who's only started the amount of games that he started. Yeah, and then another thing, like I brought up with Aaron Rodgers, the thing about Jimmy G is, like, the dudes on the team, they love playing with Jimmy G. Like, we've seen Emmanuel Sanders defend him this offseason, and then I don't know if you saw first take earlier last week, but even George Kittle went on there, you know, defended him and talked about how much they just love playing with him and how great of a leader he is. And when you have someone like that at quarterback, you just see that translate into wins on the field. And that's what I said. That was my knock against Aaron Rodgers. Like, I just feel like throughout his career, I don't think he's been that leader that the team just rallied behind like that. Oh, yeah. Like you said, they have, you know, they have over this past, you know, over there since the time since the season. And, you know, like you said, George Kittle and those guys have come out and say, you know, how, how good of a guy he is and how he's one of the guys. He's a leader. So. I think there's nothing more you can ask of a quarterback, honestly. But, you know, uh, that's all we have for y'all today. Uh, we appreciate y'all for rocking with us and tuning in to the fifth episode of the First and Foremost podcast. Uh, y'all follow us on Twitter, you know, Facebook, at us. Ask us any questions you might have. Uh, we have some merch. Thinking about uh, getting some merch made soon, so we'll be giving you more details about that in the future. Uh, let us know if you have any topic suggestions. We're open. Open. We have open ears. Uh, we want to know what y'all want to what y'all want to hear about, and uh, that's all we have for y'all today. So we are your hosts. I'm Jimmy Covington. All right, and I'm Quentin Douglas, and we out. Thank y'all. All right. <sighs>